Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Barebones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission, what I stand for is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and effectively so that you can help your students learn and as a result grow your impact and connection this mission reflects the core ways of being that i work to develop in teachers confidence clarity purpose impact and connection through my mentorship program and my online learning program called your yoga anatomy blueprint I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, but almost more importantly, help them learn how to move beyond their self-limiting beliefs so that they can be strong, confident, and clear when they teach. I know from experience that personal barriers are just as important to address as learning anatomy for teachers. I also recognize that the current system of training teachers is leaving them with a gap, both in their anatomy knowledge and areas of personal growth. I hear more times than not, I graduated from my teacher training, but I'm too afraid to teach. My mission is to help you move past the fear, embrace your true nature, teach you the key aspects of anatomy so you're armed with what you need to know to be an effective teacher and coach you along the way. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. For more information on my programs, see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Karen Fabian, and I am your host here on the podcast, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Thank you so much for joining me today. I wanted to start out with just a thought, kind of a imagine if. Have you ever met someone who always seems to have a thought or an idea that kind of just goes against the grain? Like maybe someone who kind of zigs when everybody else zags, <laughs> to use that phrase. Or maybe it's just someone who looks at the world with their own sense of an inner compass, despite what everyone else is doing. What do you think when you meet somebody like that? Have you ever met anyone like that? Or do you feel like most of the people that you spend time with are kind of just going with the flow of what everyone else is doing? Now, I wanna kind of shift a little bit here and piggyback somewhat off that idea and ask you to imagine where you wanna go in your teaching and where you're at now. And I want, you to ask yourself this question honestly. Do you think you can get to where you want to be by just doing what you're doing now to get there? Just with the time to do it. So in other words, whatever it is you're doing to get where you want to go in your teaching, do you feel that time is really the only factor that you need to contend with? In other words, if I keep doing what I'm doing in a year, in two years, in five years, I'll be where I wanna be in my teaching. Do you think it's maybe something else? Maybe it's time and money. 
you know, maybe it's a certain amount of money that you need to invest in something. You're not exactly sure what, or maybe you are sure of what it is that you need. Do you have a high degree of confidence that it will work? In other words, given what you're going to invest, given what you're planning you need from a time and, and money investment uh, perspective, do you have a high degree of confidence that you'll get where you need to go? And some of this really depends on you having a vision of where you want to go. <clears throat> and I know sometimes for teachers that's hard because maybe you're newer, maybe you're not very experienced yet, and you're not exactly sure where you want to end up. You're not really sure how you want to apply your teaching. I know certainly when I talk to teachers uh, now more than ever, I hear about a lot of different ways that teachers want to apply their skill set. Not everybody is looking to teach open classes, you know, kind of group uh, yoga in studios. There are plenty of people who are looking to teach privates or work with children or work with different groups of people that are going through their life managing maybe an illness or just different groups of people with different characteristics. So some of it may, dependent, may be dependent on you having an idea of where you're going. Some of it may just be that you know that there is a teacher inside you, there is that person inside you that could be a strong teacher and you just don't feel like that person is fully showing up yet. So we're going to go into this, you know, a little bit on the podcast today via this idea of some kind of thought provoking themes. And some of this, quite frankly, comes off of my Instagram posts. Over the past month or so, I have been sharing some thoughts and ideas and comments, um, themes that I'm doing in a way to kind of, kind of prod you a little bit and to see if you're open to different ways of thinking that might be a little bit outside, I guess what we consider the standard or the norm or common practice when we look at yoga uh, teaching. And I'm not, there's no reason why I'm trying to be, uh, or it's not necessary for me to be kind of covert about this. I mean, I wanna be transparent these thoughts that I have, I love to share with you all. And I, I think Instagram is a great place to do it because it gives me an opportunity to kind of test the idea and to see, do you agree? Do you not agree? If so, yes or no, either way. So I'm going to be sharing some of those with you today and expanding on them a little bit. And it's a great way for us to have some conversation. So I'd really, really love if you comment uh, on iTunes share a review for this episode, and let me know what you think. Um, before we get into the themes, I want to remind you, I'm recording this on March 3rd, and March 20th is the last day that you can sign up for my retreat and training in Costa Rica. I just had another person sign up yesterday. So as of now, there are five open slots left, and that's it. Um, so this is more than a training and it's more than just a vacation. So it really checks both boxes. It allows you to invest 
one, you know, one amount um, of time and money, one fixed amount of time and money. And for that, you're going to get both a vacation and a training. So this experience is great for yoga practitioners. So if you're a teacher and your significant other or friend is a practitioner, not a teacher, it'd be great for them. I'm assuming most of the people that listen to this podcast are yoga teachers. It's definitely going to be great for you. The all-inclusive price, the only thing it doesn't include is your airfare. Everything else is included, which is yoga in the morning with meditation, yoga for dinner with meditation. I'll be teaching two sessions a day, optional workshops in the afternoon for teachers who want to expand their teaching and their knowledge. Um, all the meals, all the meals are included. So that's three meals a day. So if you never want to leave the resort, you don't have to. The resort itself uh, has a spot, it has a pool, it has access to the beach. Uh, it's a beautiful uh, retreat center. It's called the Bodhi Tree Yoga Resort. It's a five-star resort. It's not kind of a rudimentary place, rustic place. It's more on the nicer end of things. And I've been to a bunch of different places. So I can say from experience, I've been to some places where it's pretty rustic. And that's part of the experience. This is a little bit nicer than that, if not a lot. It's got five-star reviews on um, TripAdvisor. You can just Google Bodhi Tree Yoga Resort. And I encourage you to look at their Instagram, which has the most amazing pictures uh, of the resort itself. Now, because it's also a teacher training, uh, it's a great way for you as a teacher to expand your teaching both through a lot of what we're going to be talking about today, some of the tactical kind of more academic stuff around anatomy, but then some of the more um, actually harder things to address, which has to do with your personal growth, personal challenges, challenging your self-limiting thoughts. And all of that is part of becoming the teacher you dream of being. It's not just about the tactical. And I can certainly say from the teachers I'm working with one-on-one -on -one in my mentorship program, which I enrolled a group of teachers for in January, and the next group will get enrolled in June because it's a six-month or a one-year program. Um, I can tell you that the work I'm doing with them is both tactical, academic knowledge growing, not you know building your knowledge base, and also more of the personal development piece. And I can certainly say for myself, in the past two years of massive growth that I have done uh, and experienced in my own personal life and professional life, it's come from almost more so looking at and working on some of these self-limiting thoughts and beliefs. And I did that. I've talked before on the podcast about the work I did with both a business coach and a neuroscience coach to really help me bring those issues to the surface and tackle them once and for all. So all of this will be part of the Costa Rica experience. Don't wait until March, uh, March 20th to sign up because your lodging options are more and more limited the longer you wait and more people sign up and take the lodging options that are available. So as soon as you hear this, if you are the least bit interested, go to my website right there on the homepage. You'll see the link for the retreat. Check out the page, sign up. If you have any questions blocking you from being a yes on this, just send me an email and let's discuss it. 
So having said that, um, the other thing I want to um, just remind you of is I'm getting a, uh, a bunch of requests from people who are interested in not only the mentorship program, but also the Blueprint Learning Program, which is my 10 module online learning program with coaching from me. Both of these programs are only open throughout the year a few times. And so in between open enrollment and for the mentorship, it's not enrollment, it's applications because I accept people into the program via applications, there's wait lists. So if you want to find out more about when and be one of the first people to find out when you can enroll for the Blueprint program or when you can apply to be considered for the mentorship program, just go to my website homepage and the links are up there to get yourself on the waiting list for both or either of those programs. I wouldn't actually sign up for both. The mentorship program is a higher level program from the Blueprint program. The Blueprint program is three coaching sessions with the online program for learning anatomy. The mentorship program is much more comprehensive. It's a higher level program and it's really designed to build your tactical knowledge, but also help you grow as a teacher through six months or one year of month to month coaching sessions and a number of other things. You actually get the blueprint program as a bonus. And right now that's almost a thousand dollar program as a bonus when you sign up for the mentorship. So those are two wait lists that you can jump onto. So you're one of the first people to find out when those open. If you're not in my anatomy work group on Facebook, there's almost a thousand teachers in there from all over the world. And we have some really interesting conversations going. So send me a request, go on Facebook. It's called the bare bones anatomy work group or the links right on my homepage. Now I will tell you, you need to apply uh, to be part of the group. If you're a teacher, and with a personal page. If you have a business page or a page that doesn't have your photograph or some name or brand name or something, it's not, um, it's not for that. It's for individual people who have a picture, who have a first and last name, right? So, and they're yoga teachers. And there are four uh, questions to get into the group and you need to fill out all four. Um, otherwise, I'll write you back and say, hey, you missed one of the admission questions, or hey, can you apply with your personal page, that kind of thing. Um, and that's just to ensure that we have actual real people in the group, and they are all in agreement before they get in as to how they'll conduct themselves in the group and that they're yoga teachers. Um, the last thing I want to tell you before we get to the episode today is that if you missed last Last episode, which was 60, it was all about goal setting. And I had a guest speaker uh, or a guest on the podcast, Alon David, and he is the founder and CEO of the 90X Goal Planner. And the end of that episode, there's a contest associated with it. And you could win one of those planners for free. So if you missed that episode, go back and listen to it. And maybe you'll want to put your hat in the ring for the contest to get a free planner. So take a listen to that. I'm actually waiting for the planners to come in the mail. So I said today we were gonna start out with, um, and we were gonna go over some kind of thought provoking theme. So I wanna go through these one by one. And 
in most cases, I'm going to be looking at these from the point of view of both your personal life and your teaching life, although some of them are really more specific to teaching. So the first one is this idea of if we only look at opportunities from what we have to spend, right, what we have to spend to do them or experience them, we'll miss what we stand to gain, right? So let me read that again. If we only look at opportunities from what we have to spend, we'll miss what we stand to gain. Now, <clears throat> I can certainly say for myself, one of my first teacher trainings that I attended with Baron Baptiste was one where I was concerned about spending the money, I was concerned about taking time off from work, I was really worried about going to Mexico, to a place I'd never been to before, I was worried about meeting new people, just about every single aspect of that investment from a time, money, and personal development perspective, I was terrified. And I really kept looking at it from the perspective of what I have to give up to do it. I have to give up time from work. I have to give up, you know, kind of my comfort level around doing the things that I like to do in the environment where I like to do them. I have to give up the idea of knowing people because I'm going to go to a place where I don't, an experience where I don't know people. It was just so many unknowns. And I, I don't quite 100% remember, but I think I just got to the point where I wanted to do it so much, I was willing to do it, even though all those other factors were huge unknowns and risks to me. And I can definitely say that when I was done, I had gained so much in areas where I had never, ever, ever expected I would gain anything. And I don't know, if you listen to two episodes prior, so that would be 59, I did a whole episode where I shared a number of things about myself as a way to share a little bit more about who I am and what I'm about. And I talked on that episode about many, many years ago in 1999, when I was just recently divorced, I went on a retreat by myself. It wasn't even really a retreat. It was a vacation, but it was a fitness vacation because I went to a fitness resort in St. Lucia. And I remember I went by myself and, you know, there were just so many questions I had and I was an emotional wreck. And that was where I took my first yoga class in this beautiful room that overlooked the lush, you know, kind of environment of the island. And um, when I came back from that, it was such a great experience and I had grown so much. And it was shortly after that, that I actually went and took my first yoga class at the Baptiste Studios. So in Boston, in Cambridge. So it really ended up being a pretty pivotal experience for me that really was the beginning of my journey as a teacher. So I want you to just kind of think about, you know, anything in your life where you've uh, you know, had an opportunity to take a trip or even investing in an experience like doing something different on a Saturday night, like going to a play or going to the ballet or even trying a different place for dinner. You know, like now we're getting down to things where the risk is so low 
but yet sometimes we can just kind of get stuck in our ways and say, oh, I don't want to spend the money or what's the big deal? We'll just do what we know and we know it's good. And, you know, we just kind of get in this rut where we're really only looking at the cost to us. And the cost isn't always money, right? That's the most obvious cost. But a lot of times the cost is our own personal growth. And we're unwilling to grow because we're always looking at what it's gonna cost us on a literal level, i.e. money. So it's just one of those things, you know, when, let's just say from your yoga teaching perspective, when you're thinking about investing in training, does this kind of thing come up for you a lot? This kind of cost-benefit analysis where you're thinking, yeah, maybe, but I can't do it because it costs too much. You know, my Costa Rica opportunity is a perfect example there. Like you might be someone who is on the fence, kind of going between the person on the one shoulder and the person on your other shoulder. The one person is saying, this could be a great opportunity for you to grow. And the other you know, person is saying, oh my God, or the other side of you is saying, oh my God, you're going to have to take time off of work and spend this money, right? And so we're always, not always, but many times we can live in a way where we think of this like a battle rather than looking at things from the perspective of what can I stand to gain? Knowing full well that the gains that you'll get are gains that you can't even actually measure in dollars. So there really is no way to do a true cost benefit analysis. If I look back on my first Baptiste training and that experience when I went away after I was divorced, I can't even put a dollar amount on the amount of growth in a positive way that I got from both of those experiences. In fact, if I tried, I probably would have spent three times as much to go to both of those. That's how impactful they were. So the next one, the next idea that I want to share with you is, is this idea of training and if training is exactly what you need. So the thought is getting more training isn't getting you closer to being the yoga teacher you dream of being, right? So let me say that again. Getting more training isn't getting you closer to being the yoga teacher you dream of being. So this is a really good example um, of, are you someone who's going with the flow or is open to going a little bit in a different flow or kind of step your toe into a different part of the pool than the part everybody else <laughs> is standing in, right? And I'll give you a good example. I had someone comment to me the other day that she's having trouble finding her authentic voice as a teacher. And I went back and forth with her a couple of times and it got me thinking about where does this come from? You know, where does this authentic teacher, you know, not so much voice, but <clears throat> this persona that we have, right? Because we definitely know when we're trying to be someone we're not when we're teaching, so if you can imagine that like a persona, right? We definitely know what it's like to pretend to be someone we're not, like maybe we're mimicking our mentor, or maybe we're just kind of putting on this 
persona of what we think we should be. And I certainly know when I started out teaching, I didn't want people, you know, to see me if I was drinking like a soda, not that I really drank a lot of soda, but um, I, I just kind of had all these like, oh, the mala beads and oh, the green tea and, you know, all of this stuff that I thought on a material level was representative of what a yoga teacher's persona was. And I was like, hook, line, and sinker, that was how I wanted to be. I remember I even had someone do an article on me from the Boston Globe. She was interviewing people who had gone from corporate careers to quote, what their true dharma was, like their true you know, passion. And so she had interviewed me because when I started teaching, I had left a, a very well-established corporate career where I was making six figures. And I had left to basically teach yoga as a new teacher. So my income had dropped significantly. And I had actually started working as a personal chef on the side to make up for some of the money I, I wasn't bringing in teaching yet. And I remember she had her photographer uh, do some photographs of me going into the Baptiste studio on Columbus Ave in Boston, which isn't there anymore, but was at the time, this was like 2003. And I remember when I looked at the picture after the article came out, I just kind of laughed because I had like the bag, like what I thought was the quote, right handbag and the outfit, the Lululemon and, you know, all the things. And really it was such a joke because when I would go to teach there, I would have to sit in my car for 20 minutes and like psych myself up to go into the studio and teach because I was terrified. So it was like totally a put on and not all of that had to do with the fact that I was new. A lot of it, a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was going with the flow. I was trying to find my authentic way of being with really not a lot of help. And I really was quite lost as to how to do it. So this to me really kind of points out that not only is that a common concern that teachers have, but it points to the fact that in order to become the teacher that you dream of being, it's more than building your academic knowledge. And most of the time, when we're talking about knowledge yoga teachers want, we're not necessarily talking about sequencing or chakras or other energetic themes. We're mostly talking about anatomy. I mean, let's face it. If you look at yoga uh, teaching and you say, what is inherent in being a yoga teacher that is like a subject that teachers need to understand. And that's anatomy. I mean, there's really no way around it. And when, you know, there's, I can't imagine teaching movement of any kind and not having a good comfort level with anatomy. And all the other parts of anatomy, philosophy and theory and, you know, chakras and energy and um, sequencing, all of that is a different kind of conversation to have, a different kind of learning to have. Anatomy is kind of like math, <laughs> you know, it's like there's the memorization part, there's the factual part, there's the applying it to actual bodies, right? Just like you can learn math, but then there's applying it in different ways via calculus or trigonometry, or if you're building something and you need to use math, or even in the context of studying the body, 
biomechanics uses math, right? Force and gravity and acceleration and all of that. So, you know, that whole idea that we're going to get what we need as teachers from training, 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 in my mind is really missing a huge part of what we need as teachers, which is the personal development to address whatever, whatever our obstacles are. And I have certainly found that in general, our obstacles are not so different from obstacles that other people face, especially because I'm an entrepreneur. A lot of the themes that we face as teachers, entrepreneurs face, right? The idea of being scared to go out on your own, the idea of being scared to try something new, the idea of having an incredible sense of self-motivation and not procrastinating, the idea of needing to spend money to make money, right? All these things are potential self-limiting beliefs that teachers have, that entrepreneurs have, that absolutely 100% will get in the way of you becoming the yoga teacher you wanna be unless or until you're ready to address them. All the training in the world on a tactical level is not gonna help you there. So that's just something to think about, right? Like I'm not bringing these themes up because I have an answer for you. I mean, I do have an answer for you, but I'm bringing them up more just to kind of rattle your cage a little bit. That's a bad, a bad metaphor. Just to rattle you maybe a little bit to kind of bring you a little bit more of a different perspective so that you can potentially think of things a little bit different and maybe see things a little bit more clearly or at least from a different point of view. How about just, just that? So the next one is, there's two more. The next one is, if you're not pushing yourself and your students to learn more, then what are you doing, right? If you're not pushing yourself and your students to learn more, then what are you doing? So let's think about it. What's the role of a teacher, right? If you think back to any teacher you had when you were in school, you know, think about teachers who really made an impact on you. Were they teachers who yesed you to death? Were they teachers who let you did whatever you wanted? Most likely no. They were most likely teachers, and maybe it was even a parent, uh, you know, your, your mother or father, who pushed you to think um, more often than not, who didn't coddle you, who didn't baby you, who challenged you, right? I, I remember... Um, I was listening to a podcast one time and this woman was talking about, she's an entrepreneur and she was talking about um, how she had had this opportunity to give a Ted talk um, at a time when Ted talks were like really up and coming. And I think they still do have a fair amount of cachet associated with them. This was in the beginning when it was like really, really amazing to get offered the opportunity to give a Ted talk. And she had practiced and practiced and, you know, she did the TED talk. She was terrified, but she really nailed it. it. You know, got a lot of exposure. And when she was done, she started to get all these other opportunities. And they were opportunities that she never before had envisioned she would get. She had never dreamed of getting opportunities like these. And instead of seeing these opportunities and you know, being 100% excited about them and enthusiastic and psyched about doing them, she was terrified. And she described it as new level, new devil. And I had never heard that phrase before. And I thought that is such a great 
phrase. And what it really illustrates is this idea that we can develop our knowledge and get to a point where we're comfortable, right? Think about anything you know well and maybe something you could teach somebody. Maybe it's playing golf or cooking or knitting or playing the violin or math. I don't know, something, right? Something that you do well. Um, and, and when you get a certain comfort level with that topic, you can pretty much do it in your sleep, right? We also call that, or that is also called um, unconscious competence. You don't have to think about it it is just something that you know on such a deep level because you've done it so often, uh, maybe skiing, right? Or swimming, I don't know, whatever. Uh, you don't have to think about it. Uh, and yet, when you get to that point, if you're not pushing yourself, you'll just kind of stay there. And there's no growth there, right? You're not on the growing edge. You've probably heard that saying before. And once you're on the growing edge, you have a lot of those same fears that you had before, but you conquered that level. So now it's new level, new devil, right? And what I hold out to you is that as a teacher, or what I'm offering you as a possible perspective, is that as a teacher, if you're not pushing yourself in that way, you won't, you certainly won't be pushing your students in that way, and you won't be growing you'll be stagnant. And I mean, I think maybe there's something, I don't, I don't know what there is to be said for being stagnant. I'm probably as a personality type stagnant is absolutely the last adjective <laughs> you would ever use to describe me. Um, I probably need to chill a little bit, which I think my boyfriend and not so much my parents, but Ben would probably say, Hey, relax a little bit. Um, but I think the point is as teachers, we need to think of ways, I believe, we need to think of ways that we can push our students because if we're not gently nudging them, and I don't mean being obnoxious and having them do something on a physical level that they're not ready for or making our classes like physically really hard boot camp. I'm not talking about that, right? Sometimes the challenge is found in the most subtle of things. Like if I teach a class and I only use action cues and I hold people longer in each pose and I cue just to the breath, foundation, just essential stuff, gaze, you know, things like that. I can make that kind of experience really challenging for people. And it's almost more challenging in its simplicity versus more challenging in its complexity, right? And you've probably taken classes sometimes where the presentation from the teacher is really simple and you'll leave and you'll think, wow, that felt so hard, but I didn't even really do anything that complicated, right? Those are the experiences where the challenge isn't found in the literal what we're doing. It's sometimes found in how it's being presented. And I think one of the hard things for us as teachers is we're out there on our own, right? There's very little, if any, I mean, let's, let's be real, right? Is there any oversight in the yoga industry? There, there really isn't. I mean, you're completely self-monitoring. You're putting your information in the Yoga Alliance system to indicate you've taught, to indicate the training you've taken. Yes, the person that you took the training with is also validating you were there. So there's that level of quality assurance. But outside of that, you know, every, what is it, two or three years, I believe, when you submit your hours to them, you're left to your own devices. 
you have to have some degree of self-motivation to be pushing yourself. And that's where programs like my mentorship program, for instance, come into play. When those teachers applied to that program, that was um, a, a distinctive step that they took to say, hey, look, I want some guidance, some mentorship to keep me on the growing edge. And that's, you know, if any of you have ever worked with a mentor, that's one of the values of working with a mentor. You have someone who is objective, who is, you know, keeping you on that growing edge path. So I, I just kind of leave you with that thought. If you're not pushing yourself and your students to learn, what are you doing? Are you just going in and kind of doing the same old thing, class after class after class, with very little work that you're doing outside of teaching studio classes to continue to grow as a teacher? And then the last one, oh my God, this one. Oh God, I had to learn this in, uh, on such a deep level. And I mean, I, it's just such a, such a meaningful personal one for me. And, and it is, it's this, instead of arguing for your limitations, why not take a stand for what's possible? Oh, instead of arguing for your limitations, why not take a stand for what's possible? So what does that mean? You know, I had a conversation with someone recently, someone who is struggling with um, a parent who is struggling themselves. And the dynamic between this person and the parent is a challenging one. And I was trying to present other opportunities for this person and the parent to get along better. And this person just kept arguing for um, why it wouldn't, couldn't change, why things were the way they were. You know, the person is, you know, 70, 80 years old. This is the way it's always been between us. And there was no unsticking that person from their perspective. And so after a few minutes, I just gave up, right? In my own life, I've experienced it when I was working in my initial sessions with my neuroscience coach, and I kept giving her all these excuses for why my business wasn't going where I wanted it to go. And when I say my business, it's my yoga teaching, right? I mean, they're one and the same. It's not like I have a separate yoga studio or a separate business. You know, if my business isn't doing well, it's a direct reflection of my teaching. So they're one and the same. And so I was giving her all these excuses um, about why it wasn't working. And I was making such a case for it. And after a few minutes, she finally just said, you know, Karen, look, you're going to need to drop this script. Otherwise, we're not going to get anywhere. And I realized in that moment that I was arguing for what was not possible instead of putting my energy into believing what could be possible and taking a stand for that, right? Sometimes we can take our righteousness and put it in the wrong place. Well, the reason that won't work is this. The reason I can't do that is this. The reason I can't be that is that. Rather than saying, I know that I can be this, or I know that I can do this, and here's why. And do we know 100% that it's gonna work? Hell no. But why not take the energy that we're using in the negative scenario and use it in the positive scenario? And so sometimes I run up against this when I 
work with teachers one-on-one, -on -one, when I work with teachers in groups, you know, this whole idea of that's the way I was taught as rationale for why a teacher might be presenting something the way they are, and I'm challenging them with a different way of looking at it. You know, we can get really caught up in being right rather than just opening ourselves up to what's possible. And so I really offer this, um, not theory, I offer this perspective to you to bring into your teaching, um, but really to bring into your approach to your training as a teacher. Because many times where these um, self-limiting thoughts come up that we argue for, these limitations we argue for, they have to do with who we think we are. And we oftentimes don't realize that who we think we are is most likely something we picked up <laughs> from somebody else. It's not really who we are. And this might be getting a little out there, but I really want you to think about it because I can certainly tell you if someone had said to me three years ago that I would look at life the way I do now and I'd be doing the things I'm doing now, I would not have said, I believe them because I thought of myself differently. And, you know, I'm not 20. <laughs> so it's, it goes to show that it does not matter what your chronological age is. You still have the ability to change you still have the ability to change, right? It's just a matter of flipping that, flipping that script and, and kind of changing where you're putting your energy instead of fighting for your limitations. How about taking a stand for what's possible? So we've reached the end of the podcast today. I wanna absolutely remind you about the Costa Rica retreat. Um, the idea of going to a retreat, if it brings up anxious feelings in you, it probably is because of one of or multiple ones of these themes that we're talking about. So send me an email, let's talk about it. Um, and the link to that is on my homepage. And just remember also the mentorship, the blueprint program, these are wait lists that you can get on. And the anatomy work group on Facebook is um, a great group of teachers and a great way to kind of, especially cause you're probably on Facebook at least once a day a good way for you to kind of use some of that time towards, you know, growing your yoga knowledge, yoga teaching knowledge. So I want to thank you so, so much for listening. And I will see you next time on the Bare Bones Yoga podcast called Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Thanks so much for listening. Can't wait to see you again. <laughs>